Well, let's just pray before we continue on. Father, we thank you for the work that you do in our lives, Lord God. Lord, your ministry to our hearts and lives, Father. We're just so grateful, Father. And we stir up that attitude of gratitude, Father, in our lives. Lord, we stir up that excitement, Father, for you and for your things, Father, to be done and fulfilled in our lives, Father. Lord, we, we get excited because the future's bright, Lord. The future's very bright, Lord God. We've got eternity to look forward to. And Lord, opportunities to glorify your name between now and then. So Father, we thank you for, Lord, that your participation in our daily lives, Lord. Lord, that you are glorified amongst us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, I'm just going to hop into the word again this morning and just pray that you've come with an expectant heart, ready to receive. And uh, just realizing the Lord wants to, uh, again... Uh, work in our lives. He wants to work through the Word and by His Spirit. You know, the theme to this series is that we, we've, we've all been called to uh, the battle prayer and uh, to use the weapons, you know, the, the armour uh, that the Lord has given us to fight the fight of faith as we have been uh, seeing over the last three Sundays. If you remember rightly, just a little recap, one of those things that we taught was the identity of the enemy, you know, uh, the rebellious angels. Demons, as they are called. You know, the strategies of the enemy. We looked at that. And, uh, and of course, his wiles, his tactics, his lies, and his deceptions. And we need to, to be able to recognize the truth, you know. One of the things that I, that I experienced as a new believer was is that, you know, when I heard the gospel for the first time, it rang true in my heart. But I, I note that before that, actually, when I first heard the gospel for the first time and it rang true in my heart, I'd been saying that. You know, even, you know, people that I got around and, you know, in my younger life and, you know, hippies and people that have been involved in this and been involved with that and we're following that religion and that religion. And I'd always say to them, I don't really know what the truth is, but I know that when it comes, it's going to touch my heart. I knew that much. I tell you, that's what put me in good stead because when the truth came, guess what it did? Touched my heart. Touched me on the inside. Got up out of that baptism tank. Suspicious that they'd put something in the water. <laughs> Got out of that baptism tank. We're actually having a baptism this afternoon, by the way, just a little private one that someone asked for. So, you know, we're blessed and be um, having that little baptism. But, um, but I got out of that baptism tank thinking they'd put something in the water. And, and, and actually, I was baptised with, with an Indigenous uh, young man. There was only two men that day that got baptised. And, and I said to him, I said, oh, do you feel any different? In the change room, you know, afterwards. Do you feel any different? He goes, mm, not really. <laughs> I'm going, I know they put something in the water because I feel different. There's something going on, you know, and, there's, you know, and I, I, felt, I felt clean on the inside. It's the best way to describe it. I just felt clean on the inside, you know, and uh, went away that, that morning thinking, hmm, something happened, you know. I thought, well, that's not quite enough for me. And, uh, and so I, I prayed later on and said, well, Lord, if you're real, you'll prove yourself to me. And I tell you what, he did. I thought I was going to die because <laughs> it was so good what he did. You know, that, that night as I lay in bed, came and revealed himself to me as a God that can come and reveal himself to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? He revealed himself that way. And I knew that I, even though I didn't know very much, I knew that I now had the truth. You know, the God of the Bible is real. You know, the enemy's access points, and you know, sometimes we need to understand that he can get access points in our life. 
not just about weakness in the flesh, but also a deception of the devil, and, uh, which can be and uh, can become like an entrenched uh, uh, fortress in our lives that the enemy can oppress from, from that place, oppress us, gets a, you know, a stronghold, a fortress built. And, uh, you know, how many of you know it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, you know. Sometimes we look for natural things to break free, what can only be broken free in the spirit. So we press in for those encounters. Amen? And, uh, you know, it's so important. You know, we pray, we pray weekly. We pray constantly that the experience of those that come into our services is that they would experience that, you know, that ultimate outcome of his presence. And that's power, you know. And, uh, you know, that they would, they would, you know, as people come into our gatherings, that they would experience that transformation. Some have come in talking and, and even seeing, you know, something in the spirit as they come into our services. You know, that breakthrough anointing is at work, you know, uh, uh, over our lives. And so important. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. And that is his anointing at work. Amen? That is his anointing. You know, and John had a breakthrough experience. Uh, John down the back there had a breakthrough experience just last Sunday. And, uh, you know, he had been saying, or, or, or I should say during the service, he felt the Lord say to him that uh, uh, today uh, your tears are going to be on Peter's hands. And the circumstance that, pre that prevailed was really quite, quite interesting, the way that it actually uh, 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 unfolded, because... Uh, at the end of the service, I'd made the altar call and, you know, waiting, maybe, you know, lingering around here for people to maybe come down and get prayed for and uh, to stand at the front. And, uh, and of course, uh, I, I turned around to talk to the team. And, and before I knew it, John was already down here and, and, uh, and, and Pastor Rosemary, Pastor Jess were already starting to pray for him. So the only place to lay hands on him was on his chest. So I just, you know, laid my hands on his chest. And of course, as I'm, as I'm starting to pray as well and sort of get into, you know, what the Lord's doing, I felt his tears coming down onto my hand, you know. And I just knew that he was touching his heart and, and touching in him in a way that I'd not seen before, you know, just uh, bringing up those, those tears. How many of you know tears are from the heart, you know? And so often the Lord can bring those. Uh, bring those. And it's not joy so much. It's not so much, um, you know, a, uh, a, 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 you know a, a sadness, but it's just what God's doing. So often, you know, we can, we can cry um, at the touch of God's spirit and so important. But, you know, God's been just doing a breakthrough work in John's life, you know, and you can ask him about it. I'm sure he'll tell you just a breakthrough uh, commence that day, breaking off things from our life that, that need to be broken off. You know, and the key, uh, you know, the key to this, and, and, you know, we'll see a little bit later on today, you can't buy it. You just can't go out and just get it from the bookstore at the back. You know, you've got to come with a heart that's ready to receive. You know, the key to being ready for his spirit to set us free is submission to God. And we've been looking at that. Submission to his word and taking a stand against our own flesh and the lie of the enemy, which is the, the location from which the enemy wants to set up strongholds. All right? Those, those, those weaknesses in the flesh, you know, those lies of the enemy. And that's where the enemy will set up a stronghold from and have access so important that we have our minds renewed to the word of God so that we can, you know, recognize the lie, recognize what the enemy's up to. And of course, the first need in discipleship is right there. Renew your mind to the word of God. You know, just get so set 
in the Word of God. You know, and that's, the Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. You know, you've got to know the taste of the milk before you can get onto the meat. But it's all God's Word and it builds nutrition into our lives. You know, I love the accounts of the apostles in the, you know, out in ministry in the book of Acts. They were busy building the kingdom of God and the enemy was trying hard to pull it down, working through strongholds, you know, in people's lives. And we see in the book of Acts the apostles operating in the gift of discerning of spirits. We see that. One of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only in the church meetings, but, you know, but out on the streets, operating in the gifts of the spirit. And, uh, you know, that's where they really work well, actually, is out on the streets, out in the marketplace, among people who need to hear the gospel, who need to see a supernatural touch and, uh, and blessing from the Lord. How essential it is to minister to others from the place of God's power. You know? And make a note, that's all about cooperating with the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God is doing. We talk about not working for him, but walk, working with him. You know? That's something that we should give ourselves to. And the, the study of that, how do, I, how do I stop working for God and start working with God? It's through prayer, it's through a connected heart, you know, it's through knowing his word and, and uh, being able to speak his word. And of course, you know, we need to get there. You know, there's no preset. I wish there was a switch, you know, one that we could hide just behind the, you know, there and just switch it on and switch it off at, at, you know, at need. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But there's not, there's not a preset. I should say, the only preset there is is that we need to be hungry for it. We have to desire it. We have to want that and say, that's what I want for my life. God's touch and ministry. And the battle rages. Spiritual warfare is going on all around us. You know, I think if there's any been, if there's any been a growing revelation through this series over the last three weeks, this is the fourth week, I hope that that's the understanding of realising that there's a battle raging on around us. Some of the things that we just put down to, oh, that's just church and that's just people. No, that's the battle. That's the battle going on. And, um, you know, we see Philip in the book of Acts. He's not a pastor, okay? He's not been ordained. He's not fivefold ministry gifting or certainly declared. He's one of the seven guys that was selected to serve tables you know, after the day of Pentecost, because there was a bit of, you know, strife going on. The Grecians weren't getting, you know, the meal time wasn't right or something. And they chose seven guys to go out and actually serve the tables. And Philip was one of them. So was Stephen. One of the seven guys that was selected to serve tables on the day of Pentecost. And, and he's a great example of mature sons and daughters. You know, he understands that the gifts of the Spirit are not to me, or for me, to validate me, but they're through me to serve others. He gets it, you see. I'm very quiet now here in church this morning. <laughs> Don't go looking for the gifts to validate you. Go looking for the gifts to serve one another. You know, walk in love and desire spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says. Walk in love forgive one another and desire spiritual gifts. Why? Because that's how you're going to bless someone else. See, they're not to me, but they're through me. We get that understanding. Sons and daughters arrive at the place where they start to get God's heart. Start to see how God sees. 
That's sons and daughters. You know, uh, this morning as we, as we go through this message, and, and I've got a, a, few, a few passages out of the book of Acts and out of this, I think we're going to see some stuff here that we need to see. And uh, I believe the Lord wants to uh, minister to us again through the word. So Acts chapter 1, uh, Acts chapter 8, I should say, and verse 1 to 3. It says, Now Saul was content, consenting to his death. Whose death? Stephen's death. At that time, this is, you go back into chapter 7 and we see Stephen being martyred. At, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles weren't scattered. And the devout men called, uh, carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3, and as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. He had that authority and he was working that way. The spirit of religion, get this, the spirit of religion, that principality of darkness that sits over the mountain of religion, that one that influences and establishes evil assignments, working through evil flesh-driven men, comes deceiving and lying against Stephen and they stone Stephen. And, uh, and Saul is right there and he's just as deceived. He's just as deceived by the, by the works of darkness. And the conversion of Saul happens in the very next chapter. If you go over into chapter 9, we see the conversion of Saul. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's because the early church are loving their enemies that Saul gets converted praying for those that persecute them. I'm sure it's because of that, that Saul gets saved. And, uh, and the God that we serve answers those prayers. I believe we should understand that. The God that we serve answers prayers like, Lord, bless those that persecute me. Lord, I'm going to pray for my enemies today. Bless them. He answers those prayers. And the thing is, in the flesh, we don't want him to, you know, because we don't like, you know. You, you know what I'm talking about? In the flesh. And... Um, He'll knock your enemy off his high horse if you pray for him, if you pray for your enemy and bring them into his service just like he did with Saul. Why? Because he loves them. Saw this uh, meme through the week. It, it confirmed to me again that loving like God loves, that is the gospel at work. Loving like God loves. Wanting to see the transformation of an encounter with God even in the lives of our enemies. Look at this one. The Apostle Paul entered heaven to the cheers of those that he martyred. Wow. Hard to imagine, isn't it? But when you're there, you know, as Kath was talking about eternity, you'll understand. And that's how the gospel works. When we pray for our enemies and, and, and love our enemies, pray for them and even those that persecute us. Let's just continue on in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 to 8. It says, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, and then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. You know, and there's this guy in the crowd called Simon who is witnessing all of this going on and he's watching it intently uh, because more than likely all of the people 
that were getting delivered were his customers, his clientele, you know, his sorcery clientele. And he's watching his business getting closed down bit by bit. You know, those possessed by demons, those that were sick, were, 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 you know, been coming to Simon previously for him to perform his deceptive dark arts, okay? And Philip turns up with the gospel of Jesus and a breakthrough anointing and in the name of Jesus starts setting the captives free. Pretty amazing. And Simon's watching this and he's not really excited, really. He's sort of seeing what's going on. But look what happens in Acts chapter 8. And verse 9 to 11, it says, But there was a certain man named, called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Verse 10, To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is a great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Wow. Make no mistake, deception the deceiving of the nations that we've seen over there in Revelations 12. Remember, we saw that. The great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Look what he does. Who deceives the whole world. Now, through those deceptive dark arts. And he was cast to the earth and his angels with him. That's the continual activity of the devil and his demonic collaborators. And they are present and at work in what we would even call and term the new age practice you know seances mediums tarot cards and you know here is the deception conversing with the dead you know that's just a demonic lie that's all it is it's a lie not the truth at all what the bible actually describes that as is familiar spirits angels that have watched and observed and know some things and communicate that you know and it's just a great big uh, deception and, uh, you know, pulling the wool over the eyes of people who are, who are willing to pay five bucks for that. Why would you, you know? Pay five dollars for someone to tell you lies and deception. That's what that is. You know, but when we get back to Simon, we see that business had been good for Simon. It says that he was known and he was popular from the least to the greatest. He was, he was known and, and understood. But not anymore. And he gets saved. This is where it gets interesting. Look what it says in verse, uh, verse uh, 12 to 13. It says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So, you know, as much as he's, he's watching his business being closed down, he also gets touched in his heart gets saved and says, this is amazing, this is the truth, and uh, even gets baptised. Signs, wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit is what will get attention, the attention of the unsaved. We've got to remind ourselves of that. We need to consecrate ourselves to the Lord and, and that on a continual basis and be used to the Lord that way. Philip gets it, it gets used by God. Not even, he's not even waiting for his ordination certificate, he's just out there doing the work. And uh, in that process, seeing people getting saved and, and giving their hearts and lives to Jesus. Acts chapter 8 and verse 14 to 17 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in verse 16. For yet he had fallen upon none of them. 
they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we must not miss the biblical truth here that has been pointed out to us uh, by, by Luke, uh, the author of the book of Acts. And I just want to highlight that before I move on. Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit, is down in Samaria and the signs and wonders and miracles are happening. People are being saved and people are, are being baptized. But notice that the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them. Not yet fallen upon them. They knew the Holy Spirit um, had come upon them because, and, and, you know, when the apostles came down, they knew that the Holy Spirit had come upon them. Why? Because they could see something. What do you think that was? They spoke in other tongues. That's why. And, and, and Philip's there ministering, getting people saved, getting people baptized. The apostles come down, lay hands on them so they can be filled with the Holy Spirit empowered from on high to do the works of Jesus and that's what we're all called to to be filled with the Holy Spirit to have that bubbling up in our lives speaking in other tongues Philip filled with the Holy Spirit is there down in Samaria he's got signs and wonders and miracles happening people being saved people are being baptized but the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen upon any of them I tell you what we need to be careful in this day and age we find ourselves in churches that are not spirit filled you know, where, the, where there's not an opening for, the, for, for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. Because we need that. We need that ability to pray in a heavenly language. What Simon sees is something that we should expect to see when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit as well, speaking in other tongues. The other signs, the Bible says, are casting out de demons and, of course, um, you know, healing the sick, etc., etc. But tongues is such a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't had that, you know, you should come down the front more often for prayer. And we'll lay hands on you, like the Bible says. And you watch. You'll, you'll be filled. We'll help you come through to that gifting. Hang in there. Don't give up on that. And don't put up with a life where that just doesn't happen in my life. You actually, you actually have to determine you have a choice of your will to start speaking in other tongues. And the, the Holy Spirit will just help you with it. You know, step in for it. Press in for that. Acts chapter um, 8 and verse 18, it says, And when Simon saw that through the laying hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. <laughs> I don't know how to get that. I'll just offer you money. You know. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Simon has been getting it right up until this moment when he sees that through the laying on of hands of the Holy, the Holy Spirit is given, the Holy Spirit is poured out. He gets, very, he, he gets it very wrong at this point. Between the time he gets saved and baptized and is hanging around Philip until the time of the apostles, you know, here that revival is breaking out in Samaria, a stronghold forms in Simon and the enemy gains influence. The enemy jumps in. And, uh, and, and, of course, hinders what God um, is uh, doing there in, uh, in, in, in Simon's life. Of course, we ask the question, what's a stronghold? You see, Simon is a guy that has just lost his business, lost his notoriety. He's now having to learn from someone else when he was the one that had all the crowds. He was the one, you know, that had the YouTube channel. 
you know, and the 5,000 friends on Facebook. That was him, you see. And now the crowds are following Philip. And they're probably going to try and make friends with, you know, Peter and, and John, you know. And I believe that the stronghold here that had entered in, that was starting to work in his life, was notoriety, popularity, and pride. Pride being the very condition found in Satan before he was cast out of heaven. That's his hot button. And now he's struggling with rejection, you know, envy and jealousy. He wanted people to look at him again and see him, you know. I want to be popular again, you know. He's got that going on. And he thinks that he can buy the gifts of the Spirit with money. He wants to have that. And of course, what had happened was bitterness had crept in. Bitterness had crept into his life. And, and in Acts chapter 8, we'll just see this. Acts chapter 8 and verse 20, it says, But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Wow. You know what that is? One scripture says, uh, For I perceive that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You know, the apostles Peter and John down in Samaria are there to set things in order. Always so very much a part of the apostolic grace is to set things in order. You know, we, we cannot just blame, um, you know, the devil for strongholds that we've allowed him to build in our lives. This is where we have to be sensitive in our own lives and, and our own hearts. But there is a need to repent and that, you know, have that change of mind, to choose to go in another direction. There is that need to lay down carnality um, or the devil's ways, you know, and never choose them again, to step away. You know, we always talk about repentance being, being uh, uh, you know, we're heading in this direction, and, and obviously it's not the right direction. Repentance is we stop and we change our heart, we change our mind, and we go in another direction. That's repentance in activity. And not only that, true repentance is when we keep going in that direction, you know, and, uh, and never turn back again. You know, I love the word of knowledge that we see in verse 23. Peter just doesn't pull him up with a challenge about, you know, his heart not being right. He doesn't scold him or tell him off for having a bad attitude, you know. He has a word for him, you know. For I see, or one version says, I perceive that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Pulls him up, calls him out. Has a word of knowledge for him. One of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that you can read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Peter has it for him. Boom. You know, just nails him. We would say a spirit of bitterness because now it's so entrenched that it's an attitude. It's a stronghold for the enemy in his life. Oh, yeah, you know, he's saved, he's baptized. But, but uh, Peter sees by the Spirit of God that he needs to repent, you know. And we can't, we can't tell how that bitterness was manifesting, but Simon is lured again toward popularity and influence and his expenditure is for that purpose. And the Apostle Paul gives him, you know, calls him to repentance and says, you need to repent. Look what it says in verse, verse uh, uh, 24. And Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. 
Simon hears that word, you know, that, that word of the Lord. He, he, he receives the chastisement of the Lord and he repents, changes his heart. You know, and our prayer is that the Lord would be at work. Very, very constant prayer is the Lord would be a, at work among us, helping us all to pull down strongholds of the enemy. You know, seeing a people set free by that yoke, you know, that, that yoke-destroying, burden-removing anointing. You know, every time we come to church, we ought to come with that faith, our faith, extended for the Lord to be at work in our midst, setting the captives free. You know, we've said it before, we're not talking about, you know, uh, being possessed by the enemy, but we're talking about being oppressed by the enemy. And the way, that the, the way that the enemy does that is through strongholds. You know, he just builds it into a person's life. It's just that little, you know, in, in this particular case, in, in, um, in uh, uh, Simon's life, it was bitterness. Just got in, you know. Things that, it, that he thought he should have, that he could even try and buy if he could. But he couldn't get them with money. And uh, God wanted to set him free from that. And of course, Peter had a word for him and, uh, you know, saw that it was bitterness and that he was full of iniquity and had to, you know, break it off his life and uh, keep working with God. And as I say, our prayer today, every, uh, every one of us would have such a heart to God that, you know, he'd be able to speak into our lives and even show us and be open, you know, for others to, to, to minister into our lives and show us areas maybe where, where he can, uh, where the Lord can, uh, is wanting to go to work and, and help us, you know, get free of our strongholds. You know, it does take sacrifice. It does take, you know, the word that I use is consecration, where we're saying to the Lord constantly, Lord, work in me, work in my heart, help me through this season and this period. You know, I'd like us all maybe to stand and we're just going to sing that, that last song there, um, Johnson. And um, I want us to pray. I want us to have that, you know, that soft heart, you know, where God can move in our lives and touch our lives afresh. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's an area that we step into. You know, it doesn't just fall upon us. It's something that we choose and step into and say, you know, Lord, I want to have that soft heart toward you. Lord, that you need to, you know, that you can minister in my life and, and help me with those areas where, where, where maybe the enemy has set up a stronghold. I want to repent today. And I want to make room for people who feel that they need to repent and, uh, and come down. Areas where they've allowed the enemy just to have his way. And we want to see those strongholds being broken off people's lives today. So, Father, we, we again thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what, for what you want to do in the midst of your people, Father. That you want to raise us up and set us free, Father. Lord, you want to see, Father, us as a people, Father, walking full of your spirit, Lord God. Lord, uh, vessels uh, are filled to overflowing, ready to tip out into the lives of others. Father, you want us a whole and, and well, Father. And Lord, uh, not burdened down, Father, or oppressed by the enemy, Father. So Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you help us today. Lord, as we sing this last song, Father God, as we, as we just look to you, Lord God, as we come to your altar and praise and worship you one more time, Lord, we ask that you search our hearts, look into our lives, Father God, and see if there is need there, Lord God. Lord, you deal with us, Lord, and seek out that help, Lord, even, even answering a call to come down the front to, uh, to the altar, Lord, today. Lord, to see lives touched and, and uh, ministered to by your spirit, we pray, Lord. And Lord, as we do, Father, as we, 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 uh, we look to see uh, not just ourselves, but others as well, Lord God, being set free in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's go into a song and just uh, close on that.